And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Does it tame and tame and tame again? Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! A dependable goalkeeper with a cool nickname, or just one who can eat an entire pizza in one go by folding it up and shoving it in his mouth. A back three excavated from a quarry with a combined age of more than 110. The inevitable Thomas Helweg. A left wing back called the Little Sparrow with the most boring style of play Wikipedia subsection of all time. Midfield do-gooders who went into politics. Tony Christmas. An impish sprinkling of quintessential Gazetta era magic. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés and the pure Serie R11. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 229 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for this very special project... First of all is James Horncastle. Hello, James. Hello, Adam. Did you know it's been 748 days since your last appearance on Football Clichés? <laughs> wow. Have I done my cruciate ligaments or something? Yeah. Just, yeah. Just the right amount of days for a football-y stat, I think. Um, just just long enough for it to feel like something serious. But you're back. And uh, I'm very glad to have you for this uh, for this pure Serie A 11. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I mean, if I was going to come back, it would be for this. So I'd be, yeah, the snub would be quite something. Uh, to... <laughs> that would be awful. I'd be very, very awkward indeed. Um, alongside you is fellow Seriatophile, Michael Cox. A good one, this potentially, this 11. There's so many possibilities in every position. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't think any other league would do it as well as Syria. I must say, there's Syria has a very distinct vibe to it. And I'm looking forward to exploring that. So let's let's set some context here. Uh, I'm I'm very pleased and reassured to be joined for this selection process by two people who have watched Serie A in the last 15 years. <laughs> James, what sort of moment is Serie A in right now? Oh, I mean, it's pretty bleak, uh, really? Adam. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I think I've just filed an article called Serie A's Nuclear Winter. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's not uh, in its heyday like it was when we were growing up in the kind of 90s and 2000s. So I think we'll probably be drawing more on that than uh, uh, than, than the current crop of players. But um, I think there are still some hard, fast rules that apply when you're coming up with a pure city at 11, which if you were to do it in 22, 23, they would still hold up. In terms oh, of what you need, yeah, I'm glad because there, are, there, yeah, there are various preconceptions that are still lingering. I sense that we can make use of. That's really, that's really good news for us. But James talks about a nuclear winter for Serie A, Michael. But there's a kind of 
romantic lining to this mushroom cloud, though, which is Napoli, who are going to win Serie A this season. And I would say probably they represent the most long-awaited, credible league title winners in Europe. I can't think of a league who who are still waiting on someone to sort of resurrect themselves. And not, yeah, kind of just return to the top table a bit. Yeah, uh, kind, yeah kind of like Liverpool did, I suppose. Yeah. Kind of like Inter did after many years away. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, the only reason Napoli weren't going to win the league was kind of if they bottled it, I think, because there is a kind of thing around Napoli. It's just such an emotional city, but now they're 15 point clear or whatever. I don't think that's going to be the case. Absolutely. And, and, and they've been knocking on the door for so long in the form of viral Twitter clips um, captions that stop it that I think it really is their time Syria broadly and this not just now but historically James and I'm going to tap into my first preconception here is that it is a relatively insular league in the sense that it, but not in the sense that it doesn't like people coming in just that it's very proud of itself uh, which is why you don't get a great deal of exports as well which I think makes our job not necessarily easier but better and more fun <laughs> yeah, I think long before um, Keys and Gray kind of spoke about our league, the Premier League, being the best in the world. In Italy, they say il campionato più bello del mondo. There's like mm. our league is the most beautiful league uh, right. in the world. And in uh, yeah, in relation to that comment about it being insular, I mean it was insular really between 1966 and the early 80s, where there were no foreign players uh, allowed to come in, and then they okay. only kind of opened it. Uh, bit by bit but I mean if even if you look at the league today compare it with the Premier League where almost every coach is from outside of the UK uh, apart from your Eddie Howes etc in Italy the foreign coaches working in there are essentially adopted Italians yes. who, who came over to play in the 90s and early 2000s um, and have just become part of the furniture um, so you know the late Sinisa Mihailovic your Tiago Motters, your your Ivan Juric's, the, these these kind of people, they've they've all had to prove themselves, be credible by by actually playing in Serie A before they could get an opportunity. So so yeah, that's that's still a big part of the makeup of the league. I I definitely want to include something within the theme of kind of adopted Italians, not necessarily in a administrative sense, just someone who's been absorbed into the culture so much that you just basically think of them as Italian. We'll definitely get to that. Preconception number two, Michael, is that um, a lot of proper football men over here at some point in the last 30 years would have would have thought of a, a typical Italian football to be kind of a fancy Dan with a hairband and diving and that sort of stuff, not being able to handle the rough and tumble of the Premier League. But a fascinating combination of qualities to Italian football is that they they have kind of admitted preoccupation with elegance and playing the game the beautiful way in an individual context, like technical skill. But they're also big on physicality. They're, like, they're big on hard work as well. This isn't, this isn't, this doesn't tally with the kind of cookie cutter idea we've had of Italian football in this country. No, you're spot on. You're completely spot on. I think there's a big contradiction there. And I think the best uh, position for that is in defence, where the Italians would traditionally have two completely different types of players. They'd have a very elegant sweeper and they'd have a really physical man marker. But you're right, in terms of in terms of football beauty, I think you're right to focus on the individual. You don't think of Italian sides generally as playing, you know, possession-based football and playing teams off the park, but there's kind of one or two individuals that everyone else is kind of happy to do the running so that they can just express themselves. And again, I think that lends itself quite well to this team. Okay, we're getting closer to uh, 
forming our specific opinions. Uh, last, first and last time I'll ever say cookie cutter on the Football Clichés podcast. <laughs> didn't enjoy saying it. Yeah, I was didn't like it. By that. No, Popped into my head like and I thought, it. nah, it sounds, could be sounds quite clever, but I just don't like saying it. So I'm never going to say it again. Um, but yeah, good of you both to humour me. Other various thoughts about this team. Ideally, we need a sprinkling of players who've played at least 80 games for for at least four of the established giants like it was yeah. nothing James like it was just like oh yeah I think I'll try them now yeah I've got, I've got a few rules I don't know if if I'm allowed to share them or we go Absolutely. through them position by position but you know I feel like you alluded to this Adam you need an Argentine or a Brazilian who's played three or four years in Italy and has found some great grandparents and has now got an <laughs> Italian passport and will play for Italy you need a strong Balkan presence in here you need some it, Serbian, Croatian, Montenegro, you need something like that. You need a number 10 who's played for Inter at some point in the 1990s because um, that's that's just the way it goes. And I would say also you need you need a late bloomer up front. Um, 100%. 100%. Yeah. No question about that. I, I really enjoyed James's rule there, Michael, about the Balkans, which... I've now it's now popped into my head the analogy that they are essentially the Scandinavians of the Premier League. Like we, we, they, I reckon they just think, oh well, but the lifestyle's roughly the same, the weather's similar. They, you know, they've got you know rugged coasts. They'll love it over here, and uh, and so it seems. So it, it all works out really well. Yeah, absolutely. I can't fault any of those rules, particularly the one. I won't say who it is, but I've got one who's in this team specifically because he played for five of. The Seven Sisters, as they were known in the, uh, oh, in the 1990s. Oh, I didn't know they had a name. Oh, that Seven yeah. Sisters, that's cool. Oh, this is so good. Right, my final directive here. It would be so easy for us, for this particular eleven to pick an absolutely sensational lineup of players and just be done with it. I just want you both to be wary of kind of Champions League perennials. If, mm. if they're too Champions League-y, mm. we're not having them. And that might rule out some big names, but I don't mind because we've got some very interesting names to come into their place. Um, but yeah. Other than that, I need you guys to bring the post-millennium knowledge if you can, but don't worry about being 90s if we have to be. Well, I also ruled out anyone who had won the World Cup in 2006 because I just think of them as Azuri players. I, I can't have Fabio Grosso in this, you know, because he's a World Cup player. He's not a Serie A player as far as I'm concerned. I completely wow. agree. James, wow. you, could de- you could definitely be too Azuri to be pure Serie A, couldn't you? You could, however... Where I would include Grosso is because he was part of a Palermo team um, where, you know, people would look at uh, Marcello Lippi's Italy squad and say, really? Fabio Grosso? Andrea Barzagli? Yeah, they weren't really kind of established uh, names in Serie A at that point. They were guys who'd had to kind of really work their way up from the bottom. Um, And so for that reason, I I, I may have uh, included Grosso, but... um, Let's let's get into that. Got a few positions to go through, yeah. We'll take it on a case-by-case basis. Let's start in goal. Michael, I'm going to throw some sort of noble stalwarts at you, see what sticks. Luca Martigiani, <laughs> who has the added uh, credential of having a lovely little nickname. Uh, apparently, because of his calm and composure, he was nicknamed Il Conte, the Count, which is cool. <laughs> so, so, that's, so that's good. Uh, Giuseppe Tagliatella, <laughs> Luca Bucci. Yeah. Christian Abiati, who I'm going to make a hugely strong case for because he was a bit of a backup, then was first choice, then had to go a bit of a backup again and then was first choice again and played till he was ancient. Uh, Morgan De Sanctis, who, who literally could have played in any era of Serie A to me. Um, so, so they're my kind of bread and butter goalkeepers. Yeah, I'm amazed you didn't mention the one I've got, 
which is Sebastiano Rossi, <laughs> who is everything I want from a Serie A goalkeeper. Very tall. <laughs> I, I just think Italian goalkeepers have to be tall. Really? I don't, I don't think of him as being good with his feet at all. I mean, he's absolutely not a modern goalkeeper. And I just love the fact he had this incredible, you know, you look at his CV, 240 games for Milan, um, five Scudettos. He played throughout that 58 um, uh, unbeaten run in Serie A. Uh, he won the European Cup and he got zero international caps. And oh, I just think that makes him good. really, really Syria. Um, I mean, I, I guess goalkeeper is a position that lends itself to this kind of cruel situation. But getting no caps despite playing for one of the best club sides in the world is quite sensational work, James. Um, there is some kudos that goes with that. Yeah, I suppose you don't usually think of AC Milan having a let's say Italy international goalkeeper that's very much Juventus's yeah, okay. uh, thing so right. we're not we're not going to include these guys because they're just hall of fame were they the best ever but you know your buffons your zoffs they're Juventus and Italy royalty yes. Um, yes. really yeah. and and so i think if you were going to pick someone who would rival rossi um, so, so again, I've got some hard, fast rules here, which is they have to have played in grey at some point. They, they, that's that's something. Yep. Like it. They, they, they have to have played for a club that whose kits were provided by Asics or Umbro um, nice. as well. And and they probably have to be in that sub-tier, which Marcajani kind of really falls into, of, of being really good, but not the greatest in the they way. They were really well-stocked in that particular department. I'm convinced of this. Unbelievably well-stocked. So... For me, you could, you could go for like the the portly little man Angelo Peruzzi, <laughs> um, uh, but I mean the the player I went for, and maybe this is a little bit too early to to qualify, was Gianluca Pagliuca. Um, oh yes, just because because Pagliuca played for Samp, and Samp not only have the best kind of first team players kit, but the goalkeeper of that uh, in uh, kit in that era had a bit of grey, as I said, but also had these kind of pastel coloured spray on it. And he was just so handsome yes. that uh, he felt one of the reasons he lost his place in the Italy squad was because Arrigo Sacchi was jealous that um, uh, that Paluca had perhaps slept with as many as a hundred women. Um, so I, I think, think that's so he had the Samp bit. Then he went to just Madhouse Hollywood Inter for for, ah, for a period. Remember that. So, so so he's got he's got the kind of gloss of playing for for the big three. And then, and then I think he finished his career with Bologna, um, which again I think is is just you know sort of that's that's kind of not gritty, but it's kind of it gives you credibility. Strangely, an Aston Villa fan um, as well. Oh yes, of course, he's got a tattoo, isn't he? Yeah, he's got a Villa tattoo. Has. Yeah, that's sensational. Um, so Paliuka was 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 my was my name for this position. I'm gonna I'm gonna edge him ahead just ahead of Rossi. Uh, Peruzzi, I'm certainly going to rule out because I feel like he's just too Amstel era Champions League. Well, also, he could do a party trick where he could fold up a pizza and eat a pizza in one mouthful. That was that was <laughs> that was Peruzzi's what? thing. Yeah. What a dedication to being a stocky little Italian that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> That's a thin crust, isn't it? Blind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, he would have loved being unveiled in the Premier League in the mid-90s, wouldn't he? <laughs> Jesus, he would have absolutely adored that. Um, at the other end of the um, the physiotype spectrum, Francesco Toldo, who I think Ooh, is just yeah. U- two Euro 2000 for yep. this. So, um, yeah, he's not going in. Uh, I did like my little obscure little backups, but no, Pagliuca takes it. The only other, I mean, Buffon, 
again, just transcends Serie A for me. But Michael, do you like the fact that as the Rothman years tweeted the other day, he has a palindromic career? Feels like something you would like. More on palindromic careers later in my selection. Excellent. That's all I'm going to say. Great answer. Glad you said that. Uh, no Buffon. Just a shout out in this position for Cristiano Lupatelli, uh, who I don't think many of our listeners will have will have heard of, but he played for Chievo and he took the opportunity to play in goal and wear the number ten. I mean, just outrageous levels of uh, of, of goalkeeper ego there. That so, is outrageous, yeah. and it's and it's news to me. And what makes it even better is that when you said his name, I thought, well, he sounds like a striker. He's got a striker's name. That's not a goalkeeper's name. That's not a goalkeeper's name at all. So I like him. He can go on the bench. I I had a hint of giving a shout for various foreign names, but Samir Handanovic, who seems to have been such a a fixture in Serie A. You hear about him a lot. And he's got his little, I I hesitate to say party trick, Michael, but having a thing, which is like saving penalties. That's a thing, isn't it? Uh, Which I I quite like. Yeah, and and at the moment it's it's very much in vogue to have a Polish goalkeeper. Yeah, you know, this is it. So a Szczesny, a Skorupski, a Drongowski, um, they've really cornered the the Serie A market. Um, the, the the Polish shot stoppers. So mm. yeah, there you have it. Now let, let's draw the line under this. Uh, Paliuka, despite him having slight World Cupy credentials, I, I I listened back to our pure World Cup eleven, and there was no mention of Paliuka. So I'm delighted for that reason alone. He is our number one. Apologies, Sebastiano Rossi. Now, it looks like we're going for three centre-halves and wing-backs, which I think you're both relatively on board with. Mm. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll go with it. I, I, I was thinking of playing a, a 4-4-2 with a diamond in midfield, but we can, we can work this. I mean, it's, it's, very, it's, it's what Syria seems to have given the world in the last 10 years is the, is the back three. So okay. let's, let's go and do it. Okay, for that reason alone, I'm happy with it. And, and centre-backs are fun, so let's let's do this. Um, James, talk to me about uh, some centre-backs. I feel like we have to have one towering but oddly lovable goon, and, but we can't have both of Marco Materazzi or Giorgio Chiellini. So which one are we going to have? <laughs> Well, if it's if it's down to those two, I think it has to be it has to be Chiellini because Chiellini has you know had his nose broken ten or twelve times. Uh, whether he can breathe or not, I don't know. There's something quite puggish uh, about it about it, and um, you know we always think of like number tens from South America playing with a smile on their face, but yeah, Chiellini seems to be able to be that kind of rugged enforcer that no one likes to play against, and yet have all the fun whilst doing yes. it. Yeah. So, and he is just unashamedly a defender. He's like Bonucci. You do all the playmaking. If you want to be that guy who steps out and plays. Bonucci Bauer football you do that I'm just going to put in last gasp um, blocks and celebrate them like they're goals and that's that's me all over so so yeah I, if we're going for Chiellini there uh, by all means I, I I like the idea of I mean this is again maybe a little bit too vintage but like a, a Pietro Virkawad yes um, you know the czar as he was known because his uh, I think his father um, came from Ukraine and had served in the Soviet army. Mm. Um, but uh, Lazar is just very, very quick, rugged, and just around a lot of really good teams. You know, sort of the Juventus that won the Champions League, mm. Samp. So Vierkawad was going to be one of one of my names that I put in there. Uh, Vierkawad, uh, Michael, has, again, one of those kind of quirky little credentials of, um, of having his 100-metre time quoted whenever people talk about him, which I think is, is the purest form of pace. That's serious <laughs> pace when someone yeah. quotes your 100 metre time. Um, I had Vyakovod's pigeonholed 
in the hyper-mythologized immaculate demigods of defending subgenre, whose whose A-lister names, more A-lister names, are Franco Baresi and Paolo Maldini. Again, I just think they're just too good for this. They're just yeah. too good. Yeah, I agree. And and that's why I've gone for a player who I'd say is similar, but one tier down, and that's Roberto Nesta Sensini, who is my palindromic player. His Serie A career went Udinese, Parma, Lazio, Parma, Udinese. And it worked very neatly in that he only spent one year at Lazio, won the title there, and was like, that's my peak. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, start the reverse journey now. So he, um, I, I think James maybe mentioned this earlier, but he's... Um, he was an Argentine who became an Italian citizen. Yes. And, I mean, late 90s passport drama, I think, accounted <laughs> for about 20% of all Serie A content. So I quite like him being in there. I won at least one dodgy passport in each layer of this team. Very happy with this suggestion. And 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 he had a kind of stalwarty veteran yeah. feel to him. Like, he was long-serving, which, which is, which is you know, you have to be for to be an elite Italian football defender. I was going to say, I, I think we should maybe get this out of the way now. This has to be a very old team. And I appreciate that doesn't make sense because every old man was at one point a young man. But I think almost every player here you've got to think about as being 32. You're right. And listener Joe GD wrote in and says, offered no names for this whatsoever, James. But he said the back three, and it's definitely a back three, have a combined age of more than 110. <laughs> Bang on, bang on. <laughs> Love it. So we've got Chiellini. We've yeah. got uh, Roberto Nesta Sensini. I offer you this, James, because, I mean, both of those two names are, again, solid options. Uh, may well even have captained their teams at various points and, and were unquestionable first choices. I feel like we need someone who's been a loyal backup for so many years, sticking around till he's so old, like a pub dog. And that is uh, Andrea Basali. Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, il professore, as he's known. Oh, really? The, yeah, the the the, the prop because he just teaches everyone how to defend. And um, yeah, this is one of the kind of big stories about Juventus over the last decade that wasn't a scandal, which was that um, it all changed with when they signed him from Wolfsburg uh, okay. for like three hundred grand. Apparently, this was like Andrea Agnelli's favorite signing. The other favorite signing would also qualify for this back three which is the ultimate enforcer, Paolo Montero. Oh, I do like that. Zinedine Zidane's bodyguard. Yeah, um, okay. But, but Barzali is credited with basically being the best defender in that BBC backline of Barzali, Bonucci and Chiellini, even though Bonucci and Chiellini have much more higher profile than those guys. So the, the street cred that Barzali has in, in, in Italy, in Syria, is, is kind of higher He's also devilishly, devilishly handsome and now I think makes um, sparkling wine. Oh, wow. That's it. You you basically read out the best CV of all time. Um, I I feel like we can't have a 66.6% foreign back three. So we we have to have Barzali in there. Um, just, just because also, whenever he was drafted in James, he was fucking great. Like, oh, yeah. it was body on the line stuff. And everyone was like, why doesn't he start more? No, no, it's just, that's just his thing. Like, he comes in and he just does a brilliant job. And again, just like his build, you know, in a suit, you know, he looks like he could be sort of on the red Sexy carpet Martin at the Oscars. Keown. But at the same time, when he was in a football shirt, he looked like this kind of oddly barrel-chested, kind of tall, <laughs> yes. awkward man. And, and, and yeah, just did all the kind of, 
I wouldn't even see say kind of dirty work because he you know he he had this kind of flashbulb smile to him all the time. Yeah, yeah. But it was very much more of the Chiellini kind of style than than Bonucci, who just wanted to really be a a, a Pirlo playing in defence. So yeah, we haven't mentioned Bonucci, but yeah, he, he he's not going to edge into this. Um, let's move over to our wing backs now, Michael, particularly on the right hand side. I mean, I. I we have this dilemma with many of our 11s about how do we want to kind of mix it up between right and left. And I think for this one, the job is done for us because on the right, I want someone who's kind of a ludicrously long servant in Serie A, as well as that having a kind of an elite work ethic as well and the athleticism to get up and down. And there aren't many candidates for this. Yeah, for me, it has to be someone who basically can play anywhere. Right back, left back, wing back on either side. Okay. And so I had two names... One of them, actually teammates at two different clubs, Juventus and Fiorentina. The first is Moreno Torricelli. Oh, um, nice. Who I love because, well, for many reasons, but I particularly like the fact that he was spotted when Juventus played one of those really tin-pot pre-season friendlies against a fourth division club. <laughs> and he was so good for the fourth division club that Trapattoni signed him basically on the spot. And that same season, he played in a victorious UEFA Cup final. I think that kind of rags to riches story is very Italy. And then you've got Angelo Delivio, who was nicknamed the soldier just because he ran up and down the line all day. Preposterous, and man. Like, he, a genuinely um, preposterous looking footballer. Yes. And the thing I like about him is that when Fiorentina went bankrupt in 2002, he re-signed for the new club in the fourth division and stayed with them until they got back to Serie A. Yeah. And I think, I think again, bankruptcy, <laughs> along with fake passports, has to play quite a big role here. This is actually an interesting point, generally, before we get stuck into more specifics, James. You know, there might be sort of... Um, brief whisperings of sort of um, fascistic tendencies in a couple of players here and there. But on the other side, you get you get players who are just, the, the, you know, utterly selfless in their acts. You've got a Damiano Tomasi, who played for basically nothing. I like that little sprinkling of, of moral kind of yeah. quality. D- Damiano Tomasi, who is currently the mayor of Verona. Um, <laughs> so, is that his nickname or is that his job? <laughs> I'll say at this point, he's in my team. <laughs> Okay, so we'll we'll come back to Tomasi. My only problem with what we've 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 kind of done so far is we've got a lot of Juventus in here, mm-hmm. or at least a lot of players who have some at some stage played for Juventus. And so, I know we were consciously trying to keep the defence pretty Italian, but I was thinking of Thomas Helveg. Just it just in that we can't go for someone like Cafu. Cafu is just again transcendent. Um, in all of this okay. but Helweg was one of those players who like a lot of AC Milan fullbacks who weren't Brazilian they had to have done like five years of of, uh, of, of sort of hard work hard labour at Udinese um, so your Marek Jankolovskis um, and, and your Helvegs um, who you know? Sometimes you'd look at and you just think, why are they there? You know, sort of. So this, if you can't, if you can't buy these players in Brazil, you have to get them in Denmark or the Danube. And uh, and, and <laughs> Helveg, Helveg for me was you know again someone who just was so you know that that kind of really blocky Udinese jersey from the, from the like late nineties. Uh, so yeah, I, I put I put Helveg or and I think this is true that we have to do this for some other positions in the in the 
having just said we don't need, we shouldn't go for all these Italians. You need a sort of generic Italian who just kind of just fits in somewhere, yeah. like a like a Birindelli or yeah. um, or something like that. Passotto. A Passotto. Oh, or- we are going to get onto him. We might we could do a whole podcast episode <laughs> on Passotto in a moment. But okay, okay, I'm won over by the idea we're not going to have a, a genuinely buccaneering stellar right wing back in the Javier Zanetti or Cafu mould. That's mm. okay. Um, if we are going to go functional, I'm inclined to go with listener Will Tucker, who quite rightly points out that Thomas Helweg is in every single one of the cliches 11s and deservedly so. He also <laughs> played for Milan and Inter. Yeah, and there was also so, a bit of dodginess, I think, where one of them sold him to the other and then loaned him back straight away. I couldn't away remember if it was him something. or Dario Simic. So, okay, if that's yeah. Helweg, yeah. yeah. So, um, Another guy qualifies on this theme as says, played for Inter and Milan, been part of one of these kind of swaps, which was another control controversy in those days and then somehow inexplicably found himself in Barcelona and I think became like a nightclub promoter in Ibiza was Francesco Coco Don't oh know. that wasn't yeah. who I was expecting you to say okay yeah okay yeah like that um let's go with Helveg because I want to keep the other side of the pitch open for a, for a kind of multi-purpose Italian. If our right wing-back is right-footed, I don't think our left wing-back has to be left-footed, Michael. This is where the Italianist really seeps into this team. They're just doing a job. doesn't matter if they're left-footed or not. So they can be wrong-footed or maybe even just sort of vaguely two-footed. I don't mind. Uh, Gianluca Zambrotta, who maybe again transcends. Too good. Yeah, you think? Okay. You mentioned the name Gianluca Passotto. Let's lay the groundwork here. It's already... Not average, but not too stellar for this team. So that's already good enough. But he also has the perfect profile for this team. He was given the nickname Il Professorino, the little professor, by the fans. This was due to, one, his glasses, and two, his interest in philosophy and literature. And he got a law degree. So, I mean, is that is that the ultimate example of someone being called the professor you've ever heard? I mean, the benchmark in English football for being called the professor is like nothing. Italian, it must be way higher. Michael, this is great already, isn't it? Yeah, that is good. I mean, to be fair, Pesotto, Birandelli, Torricelli, Delivio, different players, but I think if I'm really, you know, on Football Manager, they were like D slash M R L C. They could do a job anywhere. And and that's what Italians is all about. Yeah, yeah, this is exactly what we're after. Um, more on Pesotto, James. Uh, not only was he the professor, the little professor, I should say, uh, his stamina and ability to run very quickly. Indeed, he was often described as almost flying on the field in the media. Also earned him the nickname Passerotto, Little Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> is that the best football nickname of all time? Only or at least an amalgamation of every nickname ever offered. Yeah, well, um, I mean, this is the other great thing about Italian football. You you have to have a great nickname. Quite small and, birds by definition, I would say, before the little. <laughs> like just a, a, a particularly little sparrow. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Honestly, I mean, am I going to read out his entire style of play section of Wikipedia page? Yes. <laughs> Despite initially not being known as the most naturally talented, flashy or technically gifted footballer, Posotto was considered to be a promising prospect in his youth and later made a name for himself as a correct, hardworking, reliable, tactically intelligent, efficient and versatile utility player correct. with solid ball control and a good position 
traditional sense, who is able to play as an attacking fullback or wingback, or also as a wide midfielder on either flank. Despite being naturally right-footed, he was capable of playing with either foot and usually preferred to play on the left side of the pitch. In this role, he was known for his pace, calm composure, reading of the game and stamina, as well as his ability to chase and close down opponents, win back the ball with his tackles and subsequently carry up the flank, play exchanges with teammates, get forward and deliver crosses into the area, courtesy of his distribution and ability to make attacking runs, which enabled him to cover the flank effectively. He was also capable of playing as a central defensive midfielder and was even used as a centre-back on occasion due to his consistency, awareness and man-marking ability. He was also an accurate penalty taker. In spite of his reserve character, his sportsmanship, fair play attitude, professionalism, discipline, elegant playing style and gregariousness made him an important, well-liked and respected figure in the dressing room among both his teammates and managers. 15 citations next to that. (laughs) Still at the club as well you know that's, that's it that's yeah. the clincher he's now the sporting director the direttore sportivo of the club's youth academy okay. could anything be more Italian than all of that put together well the only thing I'd add would be the 1998 World Cup he famously played defensive midfield and did a really good man marking job on Zidane who of course was his his club teammate at the time oh. I feel like that's quite Italian as well like yeah. you know him from a club just take him out of the game Done and he did homework. Um, all this makes my little sad little final bullet point of Giuseppe Fafali look rather futile now. <laughs> oh, <case>. nice. <laughs> I like that. It's a good one. Little my, beard. My, Got that uh, little beard. Yeah. As, as, as we're finishing the kind of defensive roles, that, you know, I, I am thinking we kind of need to have Sinisa Mihailovic somewhere around here now. Like, yeah. Sinisa, like, oh, is Sinisa just too good because he's like the, the best free kick taker of all time? I worry, at least in City I worry he may well be. He's too good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair uh, play. He's going to be Posotto, so you can keep saying names and it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, the, o- the only other thing that, I mean, Torricelli does have the credentials of looking a bit like Jesus as drawn by a child. And he was a carpenter as well in the factory oh, as well. So there you go. Was he? <laughs> yes. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Or he was a um, joiner. But yeah, he worked with wood. Let's say uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, <laughs> fine. Anyway, Posotto it is. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Let's move on to our midfield. So we've got three slots to play with. I'm pretty easy about their roles. Don't need balance here. This isn't about tactics. This mm. isn't about efficiency. This is about getting the right people in our team. Is it too near parody, Michael, to have like an absurdly leisurely register in our team? It can't be Pirlo, though, can it? It can't be Pirlo. No, I mean, there's there's been a few of those over the years. Yeah, I think there's quite a lot of Italian midfielders where they could kind of play either role. They could be quite graceful and play passes or they could kind of tear around just kind of yeah destroying things I mean the name I've got who I realise is maybe slightly obscure but Matteo Brichi who I had in there just because he played for 10 different Serie A clubs so to put that into context no one in the Premier League has played for more than 8 which is Marcus Bent but Brichi played for Juventus, Bologna, Parma, Brescia Chievo, Roma, Atalanta Torino, Sassuolo and Empoli over the oh, course of that's a good solid level all the way through years. as well. Yeah, um, mm. and that was twenty years he was he was playing Serie A, which again I I imagine there's more players who've played twenty years of Serie A than twenty years of La Liga or the Premier League or the Bundesliga. You can just stick around for ages in Serie A. <laughs> I, I, great credentials here. Uh, under my belt, I'd never heard of him. But James, is it is it fair to say that Italians are, are quite keen on sort of all round? Midfielders. I mean, from afar, I, l- I look at these lists of names and in my ignorant head, they all look the same. They look like they all be the same player. Claudio Marchisio, Nicolo Barella, Riccardo Montalivo, Antonio Candreva, who St. Raymond says he swear has played in every Serie A game he's ever watched. <laughs> well, Michael remember this in Euro 2012 when Italy reached the final of uh, the European Championships only to lose 4-0 I think to, to Spain um, they had this kind of uh, sort of rotating midfield square oh, yeah. where where pretty much every player could do the same role or, okay. or whatever so that was very much Montolivo Marchisio uh, and, and players in, in, in that mould when, when I said about a generic Italian I thought this this position works really well for that you know your Tacchinardi's uh, for, 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 for example or you know maybe he's too big a name for this um, because he's a manager now but like a, a Conte figure you need is a sort of kind of mm. battling someone who identifies with the club yep. and is associated with the club but isn't the star of the club and I thought Conte kind of really kind of matches matches that 
I thought, James, you were going to mention the player I've got down, who I think ticks all those boxes. Long-serving player for a big club, not one of the stars, a bit of a battler rather than a creator. And that's Massimo Ambrosini, who, you know, if you were were saying who's your favourite Milan player of the last 20 years, I don't think anyone would name him. But amongst the Rui Costas and the Pirlos and the Kakas... And the Sadoffs, he was always there. He was always playing. He was always doing a job. And yeah, just not great technically. I think there's been some good technical Italian midfielders. But I think, again, compared to Spain, where they've got to be great on the ball, compared to England, where it's all about really everyone's getting up and down. I just think you need a couple of players who will just say, look, I'll do the job for Kaká and Rui Costa. So I had Ambrosini in there. You do need a, an Eni in there, you know, just as much like you need a, a, a Chich, you know, when it comes for, for a Balkan player. So an Albertini, an Ambrosini, or some, or something like that, I think it, uh, it works. Uh, and again, just that Milan midfield, Ambrosini, who you said, a bit of an all-rounder, Pirlo the Regista, and then very much Gattuso, uh, I think to use Graham Souness's words, a little dog. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm on board with uh, with with Ambrosini. Another I, one, another one quickly, Adam. Stefano Fiore, Stefano Fiore, mm. um, Steve Flower, as you would translate that. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Where would Steve lot. Flower play in English football? Is it, is it Flower singular? <laughs> it is. It is singular. Okay. Yeah. Steve Flower. To Bournemouth. Yeah, in 1986. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, more translations. If and when they come to you, please, because I, I, I adore this. Um, <laughs> I like Ambrosini. I'll tell you why. Because of all those random mid-2010s Italian midfielders I'd read out, um, they all felt too national team to me. Okay. I can tell you who they play for domestically. Uh, Ambrosini is the opposite. A, mm. a, a good Did a good job for Milan, but wasn't first choice, but didn't make an impact with Italy. Also blonde, Michael, which... I, I suspect I, I've just Googled it, but he didn't have a nickname for being blonde, which uh, you, you think he would have got, but sadly not. So you know, let's have Ambrosini as, the, as doing the, the dog's body work in our midfield. Now, James, vitally important that we have somewhere in our team, probably in our midfield, a foreign import who stays for 12 years, becomes club captain, optionally, and essentially becomes Italian in every way. Um, and that all roads here lead to Marek Hamsik. Yeah, absolutely. Hamsik uh, Marichiaro, um, as, mm-hmm. as, as, as he was known. It's a neighbourhood in, in Naples and, uh, and yeah, riff on his name. But also had that had a, a hairstyle which was so quintessentially Serie A um, in the kind of mid-noughties, which is a kind of a spiky Mohican. Um, which you know your Stephen El Shawaris have yep. um, at the moment your Lautaro Martinez's have kind of that sort of thing. It's, it, there, there was one stage where uh, Milan had uh, three players who all had mohawks, so okay. Balotelli, Mbaniang, and El Shawari. But Hamsik, yeah, Hamsik, you know, signed from obscurity in uh, Slovakia, yep. goes and plays second division football in Italy as a teenager for Brescia. I think it's good that we've got a kind of someone affiliated with that uh, swallow V uh, blue shirt in here. Signed by Napoli in the year that they come up for the first time after going bust and then spends years being their top scorer until they basically signed Edinson Cavani. And uh, I think he scored more than 100 goals for Napoli, which is incredible going. Um, and, and, And also another factor in this, politics. So Michael's mentioned passports, um, swaps, 
um, going bankrupt. When I, I, I'm pretty sure this is this this was a, this was a story that Silvio Berlusconi, when he was running to become president again um, or prime minister of Italy again, when he was cam- campaigning in Naples, um, he was at the time AC Milan were thinking about signing Marek Hamsik, and he didn't um, because he thought that would swing the vote his way in Naples. So Hamsik stayed. Stay for Napoli, and uh, and yeah, that was that. But yeah, great call on Hamsik. Yeah, I'm taking it. That's it. That's it. The wider wider context secured. Michael, any further additions here? Yeah, I'd, well, I'd like to mention on Hamsik the fact that when I moved into my current house, and you know, first day you haven't unpacked your kitchen stuff, you just have to order a pizza. I ordered it from my local uh, pizzeria, run by a couple of Napoli fans, and they have a pizza called the Hamsik. Oh, which. I mean, to me as a football fan, it makes sense. But to a lot of people, they're like, I mean, it's not an Italian name, <laughs> which is weird. It does just bring to mind the fact that the toppings are just ham and sick. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I obviously ordered all just it piled up in nice. the middle in a little yeah. <laughs> absolutely rubbish pizza. But yeah, yeah. David uh, Pizarro, anyone as well as the the, 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 li- nice, the little Chilean who oh, uh, okay. briefly played for Mancini's. Man City, because Mancini just kind of knew that uh, knew what he could do, little sort of diminutive playmaker. Right. But um, but I think we've probably got this set, haven't we, with Hamsik, uh, Ambrosini. We and... still need a third. We still well, need we, a third. We haven't done Tomasi properly, who we mentioned earlier. Oh, okay. He was in my team. Yeah. What about? For, 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 yeah, Sorry, go on. For reasons James covered, I mean, just more of a kind of statesman figure than a footballer in a way throughout his career. You mentioned him playing for free when he got. Oh, sorry, playing, I think, on youth wages when he got injured for a season. Now the mayor of Verona, as James mentions. And I just remember when, when Roma won the league in 2001, obviously they had Batistuta and they had Totti and they had Cafu and Candela and all these great players. But the the thing to do, a little bit like when Jordan Henderson uh, won the league with Liverpool, you know, he won player of the year. Tomasi was like that figure. He was like the one where he's like, yeah, they got Batistuta, but actually... You know, really underrated player, Tomasi. And he always played that role quite nicely. I won't... I'm very happy with that selection. I won't have the following name, but I did like Toby Irvin's um, working. He says, Hakan Chahonolu as a modern option. He carried Milan through their dark days with a lot of flair and long shots, controversially swapped Milan for Inter at the end of a contract, then proceeded to troll Milan ultras with Derby del Madonina goal, celebrating an Instagram post. Um, he's He's not been in Serie A long enough, has he, James? I mean, that's simple as. No, I mean, kudos for, for being a Turkish uh, player in Serie A. Um, you know, sort of throwback to when Fatih Tarim was briefly sort of Fiorentina of and, and, and Milan coach. When Hakan Suka was, was, was playing for Inter as well. But yeah, it's, I think it's too soon, really, okay. Agreed. for, for Chala. One name we ought to address, but we can always still reject for being too good. What about Daniele De Rossi? Yeah, he's on the verge of being too good for me. I did think about him. He's very Serie A. I don't think him, him as that national team, despite the fact he got something like 120 caps. That's what I caps, thought weirdly. might be a possibility, yeah. Um, but I'd, I, yeah, I'd, I'd kind of verge on him just being a little bit too good, I must say. He, would, right. be in, he would be in mind, but I think he's too Azuri, as you said. I mean, Fair yeah, enough. too much a World Cup winner, but yeah. Ambrosini, Tomasi and Hamsik it is then. Right, on to our forward line, which was going to be a, was going to be a three-man forward line, but it now our decision-making has been streamlined into a strike pairing, which is fine by me. Now... We can be quite obvious here, James. We can go for simply two names from my subgenre of globally less appreciated but domestically admired hitmen. Here we go. Igor Protti, the widely shouted amongst the listeners Dario Hubner, Cristiano Lucarelli, Antonio Di Natale, 
Chiro Immobile, Filippo Inzaghi, two Champions League, and also, uh, as well as being two Champions League, only at the Stadio degli Alpi. Filippo Inzaghi simply never played an away game in the Champions League. No one remembers it. Just didn't play. <laughs> didn't happen. Fabio Quagliarella, as once trumpeted on this very podcast by James Richardson. Marco Del Vecchio, Marco Di Vaio. Mm. And uh, as James Robinson says, for your number nine, you can't look any further than Alberto Giladino. No fewer than mm. 10 different Serie A clubs on the CV, including alongside Adriano Amuto at Parma, pretended to play the violin when he scored, and now inexplicably the manager of Genoa. Um, <laughs> James, we have to have one of those names. It's simple. Yeah, we do. I mean, Michael seems to have based a lot of his criteria on how many uh, clubs um, someone played for um, to be pure Serie A. Mm. And on, on that basis, I think it's like how many clubs has a has a striker scored for yes and and one of these players is is um nicola amoruso um so sort of back in the 90s so incredible um uh, record he did have um, which i think has maybe recently been broken um by someone like marco borriello or someone but like you know scored in city for atalanta parma torino regina uh was obviously at juve napoli samp um, just, you know, incredible. James, am I right in saying he... Did he marry Del Piero's sister? Or Del Piero married his sister? I'm sure there was some family well, connection. Uh, Del, Del, Piero Piero. Is, is, is Del Piero is married to an Amoruso. Yeah, I don't know whether it's it's I, Lorenzo I or Nicola. Yeah, but, I, um, okay, yeah. I never remember him as a kind of Juventus backup. I had no idea about this kind of more peripatetic presence. Um, nickname Watch. His nicknames were Piede Caldo, Hot yeah. Foot... Yeah. And uh, dynamite, <laughs> which is dynamite. Uh, is eye for goal. Um, quite yeah. like it. Um, I d- Michael, conversely to other dilemmas in this team, I don't think he's good enough. Yeah, I think that's probably true. We need more goals than this. Yeah, I mean, almost all those names I had written down. I would dispute Dario Hubner on the basis that even though he's a a classic Syria name. I think he could be any nationality. Right. Just a kind of slight... I mean, he could be... He could be Jamie Vardy, like a, a slightly weird, lumbering lower league figure who suddenly just hits 25 goals one season. Yeah. I kind of think he could pop up in... He could be German. I mean, it's a German name, I yeah. think, isn't it, Hubner? So uh, I can't have him as pure Syria. I mean, any of those names would do. I had Giuseppe Signori up there as well mm. on the basis that he was obviously a great player. Three times won the, the Capo Caninieri, but never won a major trophy. Never really played for a massive club when you consider Lazio were not generally fighting for the title when he was there. And even though he had a bit of an international career, he's just a little bit like Immobile, is so much more a Serie A player than an Italy player yes. for me. And a no run-up penalty as well. Just yes. absolutely fantastic. And we've skirted around this. We've barely even whispered it so far. But Giuseppe Beppe Signore is pure Gazetta Football Italia. <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't. I didn't want to rely on that concept, but I do. I did want an essence of it in our team, and I think Signore might be the place for it. Yeah, I mean, sh- shall I? I've got some other names yes. which I'll just. I'm just going to throw out there. Okay, uh, Marco Di Vaio. Yep. Uh, and Maurizio Gans, which again, Gans. Gans feels very... You know, someone who played for Inter and, and Milan. He, fe- he feels like Everton should have tried to sign him last <laughs> week, right? He's exactly that kind of player. You bring it in January, he can get you four or five goals. He might do a job. Yeah. This is too maverick, really, to be like kind of just one of those kind of 
consistent goal getters, but Fabrizio Micoli. Yeah, um, oh. who who thought of himself as kind of the uh, the Maradona of Southern Italy, <laughs> um, and and would go to auctions and buy like Maradona's earrings. Played uh, for Juventus, but never didn't work out for him. Fell out with Moji. I think that's another kind of key bit of uh, criteria here. Went to play for Benfica, mm. uh, and then was then was became real part of that Palermo, that great Palermo side of the kind of uh, of the beginning of the last decade unfortunately a few too many dangerous dangerous liaisons with the mafia but great free kick taker as well a, a, a scorer of great goals and uh, i think that's that's really important here as well for like a qualiarello as you mentioned with yeah. with what richardson went for but yeah a chiesa as well uh, just too big yeah. probably too big a name now given his his son marco good, Borriello, good, uh, west ham Good name yeah. translation as well, Enrico Chiesa. Yeah, Henry Hen- Church. Henry Church. That's a good one for you, Adam. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, 1954. <laughs> um, yeah, top scorer in the in the second division. Despite the mythology you've you've built up very steadily about Fabrizio Micoli, mm. just there. Unfortunately, the only abiding memory I have of him, and I think indeed perhaps the last time I laid eyes on him, was in one of the lesser appreciated UEFA competitions, playing for a Maltese team against West what? Ham with the McDonald's logo on his shirt uh, with Mark Noble turning around to him blowing out his cheeks and calling him a fat <laughs> and that's all I can think about wow so he's not in this team on that basis alone so so but I'm going to lay down the law here this is a two man strike force I want an impish strike partner for our main man that man will be Giuseppe Signori for all okay. the reasons we've detailed mm-hmm. so I want our main man to be a proper goal-getter over many years. Not necessarily with multiple clubs. Doesn't have to be. He can be a late bloomer, as we initially dictated. So this rules out Totti. This rules out uh, Gabriel Batistuta. Too obvious. Rules out Christian Vieri. Rules out Albert Balbo. Rules out Alessandro Del Piero. Luca Toni. Ruben Sosa, who, again, is just too nostalgic. These are all too good. These are all too good. But I do need someone who produces volume. So I'm giving you three options. And and you, between you two, will have to fight it out. It will be Antonio Di Natale. It will be Ciro Mobile. Or it will be Fabio Quagliarella. So which one is it? Well, you you said that you wanted names translated. So um, Tony Christmas uh, (laughs) is Totta Di Natale. uh, Probably wins it on, on that basis. The other thing about these three... And I think it's something that um, is an athletic long read in the making, which I've avoided, uh, thankfully, which is all these guys come from Naples or around Naples. Okay. Mm. Um, so apart from Qualiarella, they've they've never played for Napoli. And uh, even Qualiarella's time there was brief. We did a long episode of Galazzo on this about the stalker that uh, that he oh, had yes, whilst he was there. Yeah, I'm, I'm minded to go with Di Natale. Um, I think so. So I gave you an illusion of choice, but I'm not going to actually because uh, Immobile played abroad unsuccessfully, so that that's accounts against him. Quagliarella, we've spent at least 35 minutes on this podcast in the past talking about, so that's for that reason alone, he's gone. Antonio Di Natale is there. He's playing up front with Giuseppe Signori. So let's run through our team very quickly because I think I think it's, of all teams this is worth doing. In goal, Gianluca Pagliuca. A back three, Giorgio Chiellini, Roberto Nesta Sensini and Andrea Barzali. Right wing back Thomas Helvig, left wing back Gianluca Passotto, Il Professorino, and the little sparrow. Midfield three of Massimo Ambrosini, Damiano Tomasi, and Marek Hamsik. And up front, Antonio Di Natale and Giuseppe Signore. But we're not finished. James, who's our manager? 
Well, um, again, has to, has to be someone who has um, become an adopted member of of, of, of Serie A. Okay. But I would like to go with a foreign, yeah, foreign coach who who is just accepted to be Italian now, which would be Zenik Zeman. Ah, uh, um, nice. Um, All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. He is the ultimate adopted Italian, mm. I think. In the landscape of Italian football, sorry, in the landscape of Serie A managers, we've, we've gone from kind of the chain-smoking men who were destined to become national team manager at some point to the kind of bald, high-energy, all-out attacking lot. I feel like Spalletti should be in with a shout here, Michael. I mean, we're, we're right up to the modern day now. He's about to get his real moment. Spalletti could be could be our man too. Yeah, that's nice. I do like the shout of Zeman as well, just because I can't ever imagine him managing abroad. I think he had a spell in Turkey, but I know nothing about it. Um, he's, yeah, he's just pure Serie A. I mean, again, a little bit like how we wanted a player who went from Inter to Milan. He got sacked as Lazio manager and turned up, you know, at the same ground as Roma manager. I mean, that is that just wouldn't happen in English football, <laughs> I don't think. The equivalent of that is fantastic. And kind of fabled methods as well, James. That's mm. absolutely crucial to our manager, right? Yeah. Like punishing methods. Yeah, someone who, who uh, made uh, doping allegations uh, mm. as well. Um, that's like that's like a that's like a coaching badge though in Italy, right? <laughs> yeah. Someone who challenged challenged the orthodoxy in the way that Saki did. It's like no, this playing a sweeper and being defensive, we don't do this. Yep. Uh, let's play kamikaze YOLO football. Mm-hmm. Um, the other uh, manager I had in mind, is, and it's Michael who prompted this by saying, coach Lazio and Roma. Uh, for for a long time, if you were going to be an international manager who cracked it in Italy, you had to be Swedish. So it had to be like a Niels Liedholm or Sven Goran Eriksson. Oh, I do like that idea. Of course I do. Of course I do. And I love how much he clearly loved living in Italy. But <laughs> unfortunately, also very England golden generation. And we can't have him. Um, uh, top shagger though he is. We just can't have him. Um, my final question. Now we've got our lovely lineup. We've got our manager. Um, but we do need a nickname for our team. So my question to you is, Michael, what colour is your front door? I, I imagine you're you're someone who has a main door to your building and then an entrance door to your to your abode, aren't you? You can pick whatever no, you like. No, it's a single door. Wait, it's, wood, it's wooden colour. I don't really know how brown. to describe that. Brown? <laughs> brown. You can't have Italian football team playing in brown. Yes, you can. can you? James, what colour is your front door? So it's kind of like a cream. Right, the cream. A little browns. bit like, a little bit like, um, well, are we going with the a striped jersey of, Front door colours. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's all about the nickname. So whatever you can translate together is what we're going to have. The creamy browns? What's, what's that going to be? Okay. I mean, this is the, 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 the Bianca Ranchi. The, oh, the white, the, that the... sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it in one of your pieces already. Bianca Ranchi. They're in good form at the moment, actually. In italics. Having uh, sorted their way to six wins from their last day. Um, threatening to gate crash the top four love it love our team love our nickname love you both for joining me on this wonderful selection process love myself for not sort of stamping my authority too much on it getting better at that and um, I love the whole thing for doing it all in one hour so thank you to you Michael Cox thanks for having me Uh, pleasure thanks to you James Horncastle don't leave it another 740 odd days till your next appearance no thank you very much Uh, thanks everyone for listening a thoroughly worthwhile exercise see you on Tuesday The Athletic.